Kanichiwa. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast. Brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you for another Church Planner podcast episode. <laughs> Why am I already laughing? Sponsored by MoGive. <laughs> M-O-G-I-V dot com. And uh, hey, if you guys want to give online as a church plant, Mo gives a way to go. It's easy. They'll send you everything you need. They got handouts you can give to your church to show them how to do it. People can even text in money. What? Yeah, I had a I had a woman come up to me once when when we were introducing MoGive, and she was way more advanced than me. She's like, "Can I text my money?" And I and I was like, "You know how me, right? I'm not very technical. I wanted to go into my yeah. Let me explain to you how the internet works." Speech. And then I thought, hold on a second. I'm really not that technically inclined. She might know something I don't. And I went back to MoGive and said, hey, can she text money in? They're like, yep. I think that's that crazy. Just, that just seems like, to me, like the Jetsons. Like, can I press a button and have hot food come out of a machine? You know? <sighs> kind of wish we had the whole next generation. You walk up to the, the computer screen, you tell it what you want to eat, and it makes it for you. We're almost there. Like right now, you can print body parts. Have you seen this? <laughs> this is how bad our commercials get. <laughs> <laughs> so go on down to Mogiv. They will print human body parts for surgery for you. <laughs> or food. It doesn't taste very good. Mogiv.com forward slash church. Remember, your coffee ought to be printed from Mogiv. How's that? I like it. I like Commun- it. You could print communion. I don't. Ooh, you literally could like, honestly, I say this, I know our audience go, no way YouTube, the things that they have now, they have this new print technology and uh, you can print food and they're now printing body parts from your DNA. Have you followed this? You know, I want to express something to you just because you saw it on the internet doesn't make it true. No, it's a big deal, man. It's actually a real deal. So what they're I, doing I, I is I really do need you to understand this concept, though. Not everything on the internet's real. I'm aware of that. But I don't this think is you are. actually truth stranger than fiction. They DNA, they, they, they clone your human tissue, but they have to have this printable matrix that they print with it that gives it the shape, but it's got your DNA so your body doesn't reject it. And that's how they're starting to do uh, organ transplants. Cutting edge technology. I'm not making this up. You can't make this up. Well, you could. It sounds made up. <laughs> you but could. It's actually true. You could make it's it up. Real. You could put it in video format. And if you could stick it in Peyton's newsfeed, he's going to believe it. It's, it's, it's definitely true. And they're doing it with food, too, as an answer to the food shortage. And there's, it tastes horrible, but it's nutritious. There's actually not a food kind of like shortage. like real vegetables. There's not a food shortage in the world. There are uh, people who just won't. Let the food get to where it should go. Yeah. That is true. That is true. Yeah, and the poor people can't afford cloned food that's printed. 
They can't. Yeah, when it's like ten thousand a meal, it's a little bit pricey. Yeah, but organs are even more. More than ten thousand. Uh, I I don't I would imagine. I just want to like, know what the warranty on it is. Like, <laughs> let's say you get a, a printed heart. Is it like well? You got a six months parts and labor, but then. All, hey, all I'm saying is I'd hate to see a paper jam when they're printing a kidney. <laughs> <laughs> so that's mogive.com forward slash church. <laughs> I, I have always wanted to know. I don't know if I can share this on the podcast, but this has been a genuine question of mine. They can pretty much do a transplant on everything. Hearts, kidneys. You name it, they can just about do it. They can't do a brain transplant yet, but I think they're probably working on that. Right. So here's my question. Can you get a testicle transplant? And if you could, and then you had a kid, whose kid would it be okay, biologically? So you said that we were going to get through an episode without having to edit anything. But this doesn't need to be edited. This is a genuine medical question. I'm just You did use the medical word for that body part, so it's okay. Well, I'm not only use the scientific name. I'm just curious. Well, that is a good question, Pete Mitchell. I'm I've sure always been really curious. Simple- I actually, that's like been a question in my head. Like, you know, can, can they do it? And if they can, like, and you have a kid, whose kid is it? Well, you you know all the fertility doctors that listen to our show right now are just going <laughs> Peyton and Pete. You know, come on, boys. That's a simple answer. We just don't know it. We just don't because I know they do the plastic nudicles for dogs. <laughs> Dude, you just gotta stop. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't want to know any more about that subject. Welcome curious. to the Church Planner Podcast, guys. <laughs> this is Smack Talk, where we talk about anything. That's it. It's no holds <sighs> barred. We're we're trying not to edit today, but uh, well, why don't we tell them what our actual serious topic is so they can decide if they want to stick around that long. So the topic today is how to start a church with unbelievers. It's kind of anticlimactic, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> that was a mic drop. That was like a dun dun. So that'll be the serious topic. When we get to the serious topic, we still got some time for some smack talk. So oh, I want to yeah, ask you. Do. I want to ask you, what do you think of the old uh, MacBook Pro? <laughs> Don't worry, I'm getting off the the testicle and all that topic. I'm still, okay, I'm not as poor of a church planner as I used to be, but uh, I I still just can't buy MacBook Pros just because it came out, Pete. I I haven't seen it. Oh, yeah, uh, me neither. (laughs) That's so so not true. You have one already, don't you? Did you buy it yet? Okay, I was on the website. Here's the only reason why I didn't buy it. Because I'd been waiting for this announcement because I knew I was going to buy a a new one. Even though I just bought a MacBook Pro six months ago. I'm going to give that one to my wife. I was just going to say, it's time for Jamie to get a new (laughs) hand-me-down. She gets a new hand-me-down every time. Petey wants a new computer. But here's my problem. Well, there's a lot of problems with a new MacBook Pro. And, And the reason why I didn't order it online is I was like, okay, I have to go into the store and actually see it. Because I'm not 100% sure that it's the right move for me to make. But a big problem that I have with it is now it's all USB-C, which means I'm going to need like tons of dongles 
which just sounds bad. But I'm going to need tons of dongles. Stop it. For the new computer. Because everything is like USB and I, I won't be able to use it on it. You wait. So you US, have USB stuff or USB, the computer's all USB? The computer's all USB C, which is a oh. different size mm-hmm. than typical USB ports. But wouldn't it make sense if you were coming out with a computer and it's kind of like the new thing, USB-C, you would also be like, hey, let's just put a USB port on it, too. I wish they had. But see, like it doesn't have the same power cord. That's going to be USB-C. The only what? ports on it are USB-C. So power that makes everything. no sense. Well, and that's the reason why I'm looking at it going, great, so... I mean, I'm going to have to buy all new everything. And that, yeah. that's that's honestly what held me back from pulling the trigger and ordering it. Yeah, give it some time. So I need to go in the store, actually look at it, see if it's worth it. And I don't know, man. I, I was Dude, if you can press a button and like roast turkey comes out of it with hot gravy and mash, I'm in. <laughs> it's like the Jetsons. How long do you think it'll be till we? Sorry, we're back on that topic. I took it back there. Sorry. Did, What's did, some good smack talk, man? Did you see the new um, Windows Surface computer? No. That it's a. They're saying it's it's far superior to the Macintosh lineup. And when you see the really? when you see the video on it, I completely agree with them. It is it's insane how nice this no thing way. is. Yeah, twenty seven inch. And, uh, and it's, so it's a desktop, right? But you can lay it down and draw on it. Like it's a, you know, like a tablet almost. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then it's got this little, I can't remember what they call it, but it's like this little circle thing that you can use it to control what's on your screen, a dial, or you can place it on the screen. And then like it, it does all this other cool stuff. I don't even know how to describe it. I'm looking at that going, I even hate Windows. You can act, you're going to get both, aren't you? No, I don't think so. I don't have that much desk room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? I <clears throat> I had um I had two laptops and that that doesn't work. You can't have two laptops. Because I had one that that I had that I used for the church, and then when I started working for Nam, they gave me one. So I just donated to the church. I was like, boom, you guys can have that. But it didn't make sense having two two laptops. Well, I have m- multiple computers. Like right now, I'm talking to you on my Mac. I have my PC over to the right. And then I got the MacBook Pro. You know this is like the boringest smack talk ever. All right. All right. So I'm off the techie stuff. Uh, okay. I'm done. I'm done. So so here's the deal. So I had a question this morning because uh, – I, I slept through my alarm today and that doesn't happen. Like, dude, seriously, recently I'm, I must be stressed lot. Okay. There's a lot of personal stuff going on. Um, nothing, nothing weird, nothing like my marriage falling out, but just, you know, pressures and burdens in, in, in life right now. And, uh, <clears throat> so I must be really stressed, but anyways, I sleep, man. Like, like, cause I'm up normally at like five in the morning. Lying in for me is like 5.30. So this morning, I woke up at 6.20. And Friday mornings are like my daddy-daughter day with Liberty, right? Mm. So uh, I wake up at 6.20. And so when I'm out with my daughter, I took her to Starbucks. So we got a late start. I take her out. And she's like my early riser. She's up early with me. She's just right behind me every morning. And uh, 
I ask her, I go, Hey, um, did, did I sleep? Did I sleep? Like, did my alarm go off? She goes, what's it sound like? And so I pulled up, my alarm goes off to a, a song. And so, uh, she goes, Oh yeah, I played it for her. And she goes, yeah, yeah, no, that played the whole song multiple times. So that got me thinking <laughs> on our 200 episode, we, we asked each other a lot of funny questions. So again, because I think of you, I, I, I think, what does Pete, uh, wake up to every day? That, that's my question. What do you wake up to? Do you wake up to, you know, screaming voice? Do you wake up to, I got the power or do you wake up to, uh, you know, the radio or a doot, doot, doot. <laughs> Let me explain something to you about being self-employed instead of working for the man. The only time I set an alarm is when I'm traveling and I have to speak somewhere in the morning. That must be nice. You wake up to the chirping of birds. <laughs> Nature I, sounds. I usually wake up having to go to the bathroom so bad that I am <laughs> getting up right then. You wake up to the sound of your own gas. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I'm just saying that I don't set an alarm, man. I don't set an alarm. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny because uh, I am. Um, that was funny before we were praying and I burped right in the middle of our prayer. You go, dear yeah. God, burp. And then you continue on. And so I had to interrupt and go, and God, thank you so much for giving us gas or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then it did actually turn into somewhat of a, and we were laughing because we know God has a sense of humor. We are made in his image, but <laughs> I think I added, and Lord, that was a great design to have gas come out both ends. That's really <laughs> helpful. <laughs> we think about it, you know, the digestive tract runs top and bottom. So that's a pretty genius design. Got to say, man, you remember when I was saying I was hoping we weren't going to have to edit anything out of this one? <laughs> hey, hey, all things give him glory. I'm just saying. <laughs> Martin Luther, here's an interesting fact. Martin Luther used to believe that when he had flatulence, it was spiritual warfare. So then, it'd be like, I rebuke you, devil. He felt that they were like weapons in his arsenal provided from heaven against demonic foes. Then, then some of no us joke. have more spiritual warfare than others. That's all I'm saying. And <laughs> Whoa, I'm under attack. Some of some of us have what we call the big guns. <laughs> oh no! I love the smell of battle. <clears throat> that was Luther's favorite quote. Oh my gosh! Oh, oh gosh! I I can't so, even remember what our topic. Oh yeah, starting church with unbelievers. Have them listen to this podcast. If they're still cool, you know you got a winner. <laughs> there you go. Problem solved. Well, here's the deal, man. Is you know you, you when you're around non-believers all the time, they 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 think about. They'll ask you stuff like this. You know, why did God make boom? You know, or I always wonder why God made slugs. I was always kind of a what was your problem to me? What was the answer? Well, when you live in Wales and it rains every day. They have monster slugs there. Like you've never seen slugs so big. So I actually had a little crisis of faith when I was there. Like, Lord, you, you can't be good and have made these. Um, that I, I'm struggling a bit here. How is that possible? And uh, <clears throat> I don't think he made them that big. I think he made them with the capacity to grow that big. And it just rains a lot there. So I, I don't blame God for that. Well, but uh, that, they were terrifying. They're really nasty. I'm, I'm not kidding you. They were so nasty. That's good to know. That that really yeah. is. 
They have holes that open up in their heads. It's, it's gross. Can't tell you about it. I um, I think this could quite possibly be one of the worst podcasts we've ever recorded. Oh, I thought that was last week. You know, it's funny because I actually, hey, just because you don't believe that printers can print human organs and food and you disbelieve me about slugs doesn't mean these things aren't true, Pete. Just because the Internet says them doesn't mean they're true. But just because Peyton says them doesn't mean they're false. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. I think that's actually a pretty good litmus test. (laughs) Hey, man, I get most of my information from the Internet. You should trust it. (sighs) Jeez Louise. Speaking of the Internet, uh, how about that election? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Why don't we do an episode on the election? Do we have time before the election happens? Tell people how to do, vote. I think we should do a tell them how to vote. <laughs> hey, that's that's what churches did when I was growing up. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I could tell you how to vote, but you're going to have to be writing in a whole lot of candidates because I'm not going to tell you to click off any one of the major parties. That's for sure. I'm going to tell you this has been the most entertaining election. Of my entire life. I have not been able to stomach pretty much a good 99% of it. You know who I'm watching on uh, on TV is I'm watching all of the, uh, the the hearings and investigations of the corruption. And that they're not getting anywhere. I mean, they're, they're well, uncovering no all kinds of stuff. No one cares. No one cares. And everybody they have on that stand, I, you know, I don't really know much about that. Just dummies up. Just it just gets stonewalled. There's so much corruption, and uh, it's amazing to me. We are a very very corrupt uh, government. Oh, it's it's incredibly corrupt right now. That's why you know you you made the comment uh, that when God wants to judge a nation, He gives them bad Mm. leaders. Mm. And and I'm like, yeah, because the two choices we got, it doesn't matter which way you go. Door A or door B. <laughs> you're, you're, well, and that's it, man. Is, as a is nation, we, you're done. You're yeah, done. we, you know, and it's not even that, that God gives them to him. It's it's he hands us over. Um, and and I think, you know, frankly, I mean, looking in American history, that 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 ship sailed long ago. I mean, you know, anyone who kind of says we're still God's nation is, you know, kind of a little bit naive. I mean, you know, for for years now, we've been reaping what we've sown for decades and decades. And, uh, you know, I'm just saying, man, I'm it's not that I'm unpatriotic. I am. But I don't put my faith in the kingdom of man anymore. You know, Mm. it's kingdom of God, man. It's the only thing that's going to last. Yep. You know, on a uh, on a side smack talk note, I thought one of the funnier emails we got this week was from. one of our church planners who listens to the podcast. And last week we talked about, <laughs> you know what I'm going? The, the, uh, the church that ran the anti craft beer ad. And then the brilliant, uh, craft beer establishment that said, Hey, we're going to use this as a dollar off coupon. Bring it in and get a dollar <laughs> off your craft beer. And we actually had a church planner write in and goes, I used to live there. I know what church you're talking about because they've done stuff like that before. I thought that was rather hilarious. So this last week, I'm in Salt Lake City. Uh, I was speaking in, in Salt Lake, this well, actually in Orem, wherever that is in Utah, 40 miles south of the airport. That's all I know. And uh, I cannot tell you how hard it is to find 
beer in in the state of Utah. I told you. I I actually I'm driving back to the airport and I go, <laughs> thankfully, I'm going to the airport where I can get my two favorite things, beer and Wi-Fi, because without those, I don't know how you survive in this world. How do you survive in Utah? I mean, shoot, man, I, I picture you driving down the street, rolling over the window. Excuse me, is there beer around here? <laughs> and Mormons just giving you horrified looks and grabbing their children and pulling them closer. I will say this. So I'm in my hotel room and I'm looking around for the, uh, the Gideon Bible because I'm like, <laughs> I had this funny thought go through my head. Hey, I wonder if the Gideons placed the book of Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> and so I find the drawer that's got the Bible placed by the Gideons. And of course the book of Mormon. So I have to vox all the guys who are in my uh, business growth consulting. And I go, well, I found this. It's not staying in this room when I leave. <laughs> Where did it go after you left? I don't know, but it's not in my room anymore. <laughs> it might have found its way back into the uh, into the recycled. trash heap somewhere. It's been all recycled. I'm it's been. I was very responsible of you, Pete, to recycle. Well, material. I figured it was uh, it was in bad taste anyway, so we should just get rid of the whole thing. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> well, you know. Uh, what was I going to say to you? Um, so, oh, oh, on the subject of beer, um, you know that I am on a beer fast currently. Um, <laughs> because of employment, not not by yes, choice, <laughs> because of employment. You know what? It, it, it's kind of cool, though. You know, I've, I've really made peace with it. But, but there was a, um, a beer that came out that, uh, let's just say I'll be thinking about it. If not drinking it, it came out the Deftones, which is one of my favorite bands on the planet, um, crafted a a craft beer with Belching Beaver Brewery, uh, local here to San Diego, and it's called Phantom Bride, named after one of their songs, and uh, it it sold out like crazy. Really? It's on eBay for like twenty bucks a bottle. Is it any good? It, well, you wouldn't know. I wouldn't know, um, but apparently. Uh, the Deftones like it. Most most craft <laughs> beer, honestly, isn't very good. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna yeah. say I, I I like to go for what's good. Yeah, I don't drink very often. I mean, when you got a wife that doesn't drink, it, it just pretty much means you don't drink. So I don't get to drink very often. It's only when I get to go on the road. <laughs> Why do you think I've been traveling so much lately, Peyton? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of beers out there for you to try, my friend. <laughs> There's a lot of beers in the world. Dude, Salt Lake City has become my home away from home. That is literally like my layer of a point almost on every trip I go to. Because it's the hub system, right, on the air- airlines. Almost all of them fly into Salt Lake, and then from there we go wherever we're going. At least no kidding. when we're flying Delta or JetBlue or American. Yeah, we fly into Salt Lake. Wow. Wow, that's a bummer. Yeah. Although yeah. I did, I did meet Stan Lee. At Salt Lake? When he was on, no, when he was on his way to Salt Lake. He was on his way to some nerd con. Nice. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool, man. It was, you know, so, hey, thank you, Salt Lake City, for putting me in contact with Stan Lee. Yeah. So, yeah. I saw him at LAX. Why, hello. That's what he said. I swear to you. LAX is literally the worst airport on the planet. Yes, it is. I... And San Diego is definitely the best. Well, see, I got to say Long Beach is the best. Oh, well, yeah, because of the proximity of your house. We, 
Pete well, and I must have sucked up about 15 minutes of talk time, like two little junior high school girls talking about airports this week. <laughs> yeah. Well, next week I get to go to good old San Antonio, which, by the way, I'm going to be out in San Antonio from uh, Wednesday through Sunday, coming back on Sunday. Actually, I should say this week. By the time everyone listens to that, that'll be this week. And uh, I'm really excited because I get to hook up with uh, one of the guys that's one of the church planners who's in my um, business growth consulting course. He lives out no there. No kidding. Which one? Dominic. Oh, cool, man. Dominic, yeah. I'm like, hey, are you close to San Antonio? He's <laughs> like, that's 35 minutes away. I'm like, dude, let's hook up. The guy who led me to Christ lives in San Antonio. No kidding. He does. Eric Fulmer, give me a shout out. Thanks for sharing the gospel with me, my friend. Yeah, no And kidding. he lives there. I'd still be a lonely, depressed man without Peyton. You know, I should put him in touch. Hey, Eric, uh, will you get together with Pete? Pete needs to get saved. You tell him about (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Might need to do it over a beer. (laughs) You get his full attention then. Indeed. Which, by the way, I got to throw this out there. Um, The guys in the, uh, the church planners who are in the business growth consulting are just tearing it up right now. I mean, uh, Tyrone is so excited because he just got his first client this last week. Woohoo! Monthly Go retainer, tie. percentage of profits. I mean, he's tearing it up, right? All these guys are just tearing it up. I'm really excited for him. So we're actually getting ready to uh, to start another group. And I put together a webinar this time. So if you guys are listening to this going, I don't even know what Pete's talking about. If you are looking for what I think is the most perfect um job slash business to have while you're church planning because it doesn't tie up all your time and you get to make pretty good money doing it, then you want to check out this webinar. Nothing mm. sold on the webinar. Um, keep your wallet in your back pocket. I'm not going to ask for you to give me your, your money or anything. Check out the webinar because I basically walk you guys through what I think are the three keys to be successful in that business. And if it sounds like something you want to do, then we'll talk afterwards. But check it out. You can go to bivowebinar.com. That'll link you over to the uh, the webinar registration form. But check it out, guys. I'm telling you, you want to get in on this next group. Last time, I only wanted five guys in it. That's all I've got in it is just five guys. So uh, five guys, gals, whatever. Mm. So check it out, man. Bivowebinar.com. Show notes. Yeah, baby. Show yeah, notes. baby. Hey, so uh, commercial time number two. If you guys haven't picked up the uh, Jump School DVD, um, definitely pick that up. It's still free, um, $5.99 shipping and handling. And uh, that'll give you also a link to buy the study guides. You can buy them uh, in bulk. If you got a group of, uh, I can't remember how many you can buy at a time. but You can buy as many um, as you want, but if you buy five or more, you get a discount. That's what it was. Yeah, so groups of five. So... I would say, you know, don't don't exceed a group bigger than 15 um, if you're going to do it. But as many as you can cram in your room and uh, still have a decent discussion, um, it's it's worth picking that up. I mean, it is we've got um, I keep hearing people saying that they're going through it and they're super blessed. And um, really, guys, this is to mobilize your team into being gospel animals. That's the whole uh, it's to mobilize him. It's it's to make him into a commando unit. It's to do a lot of the work for you in training him because that's the number one question we get is how do I train my core team? And so you go to church, uh, excuse me, you go to jumpschool.com or jumps, bleh, jumpschooltraining.com 
forward slash free. You go there and you will get the link to get the DVD. And like I said, you pay shipping and handling. And on the tail end of that, you can order study guides if you want. And with that, I would play a soundbite, but uh, it won't it won't start up today. So is that your new computer? No, won't do it. No, on it's the, the new one. computer. It's the old one. Oh. Actually, the old one doesn't like it when I have uh, Google Chrome open, the soundboard one open, and I can't close it down because it's downloading like this five gigabyte file, and I don't oh. want to start it over again. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. Well, cool, man. All right. Well, hey. So, uh, Doc Brown. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. All right. Well, hey, I'm fighting my throat today, guys. So <clears throat> I'm going to try to be able to get through this. But ever since we uh, started this podcast, I have not been able to. Um, I've been having a problem with my throat all day. So uh, kind of weird. But anyways, um, today's topic is how do you start a church plant with non-believers? Now, I did this, you know, years ago. Um, you know, I always feel like God kind of tricked me into planning Pillar Community Church in in Wales, but I've always found that non-believers are um, really, really awesome um, when you're on mission, and they're they're good at going on mission. I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but um, the more non-believers you have, you don't need that many Christians to go with you on mission. I mean, that's what Paul did, right? Um, it was kind of like. Uh, you know, the 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 guy in uh, World War II where they said, you know, what's your position on the radio? And he goes, I've got the enemy to the south, the enemy to the north, and the enemy to the west and the east of me. Uh, and uh, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to let him get away from me this time. <laughs> you can you can be surrounded completely by uh, unbelievers in mission, and the Lord still got the upper hand. In fact, that it's if you're apostolic, you're you're called to church planning. That's your sweet spot. Um, what I think actually makes it hard is when you have too many Christians. I remember doing the the uh, open mic night in the gay coffee house um, at the beginning of Refuge Long Beach. And what killed that night, um, you know, it, it was actually a very good night. But when I say killed it, the worst mistake we made was we we brought too many Christians with us. So when it came to the open mic time and people were talking and there's, you know, dialogue uh, floating around the room, there were too many of us. We, we actually started, um, having the dominant voice and that's never good in a situation like that. So let me, let me have you unpack that. What do you mean the dominant voice? Well, what, what would happen is for every one comment that we would have that was clearly non-Christian, we might have three comments that were clearly from, the point of view that we were we were getting across. So on that night, it was it was a really cool topic. We, so, we so had. Let me, let me say, was it like in marketing we would call this the us versus them scenario? Did it play out almost like that? Of like, no. Well, well, no, not really. But it just was obvious that we had a stacked deck. That's what it felt like. It didn't okay. feel like us and them because it was a very um, open, very uh, very good. I mean. Before I'm ever going to do something, remember now, we're in the gay coffee house. Before I'm ever going to do something like that, I have, and I only took probably 10 people, or I should say, probably only 10 people had the guts to go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But we sat in there, and it was, it just was obvious to me there's too many of us here. I would take maybe three next time, maybe mm. four, right? And uh, and there was maybe a room, 
you know, this coffee house, the part where they do the live music, um, uh, was maybe 20 something people. And, uh, so, you know, we added about 10 people to that room and we were about a third. And that was just too many for the comments. Cause obviously our people wanted to talk and, uh, and like I said, it was, it was a good night. I mean, it, it ended up, you know, we, we ended up having lots of conversations, lots of time spraying with people, lots of tears, lots of people talking about, you know, how they had sensed God in their lives. And, um, it, it was, it was amazing. It was really a miraculous night, but we made tons of mistakes. I mean, tons of mistakes. Um, I, I think I've mentioned this before that, um, there were a couple of mistakes that we made. Like first thing we should have done was buy the entire room drinks. Right. Mm. There's a coffee house. There's no alcohol. But uh, even, even if I'm doing it in a pub or whatever, you know, it, it, the idea is that you practice gospel hospitality. I, I got to tell you, it's so funny you mentioned that because when I was in Salt Lake City, sitting at the bar, <laughs> I literally had Hugh Halter in the back of my head going, well, if you think you're an introvert and you like going to the bar, just buy everyone drinks. All of a sudden, you'll be talking to them. And that was the thought that was running through my head is I could buy everyone here a drink and <laughs> I could talk to them all. But That's I didn't. awesome. I, no, but you didn't. Because yeah. then I'd have to talk to them. We've already discovered <laughs> I don't like doing that. But you'd be a good wingman. I would be a great wingman because I would buy everyone the drinks and let you do all the talking. Absolutely, man. I, I just say, awesome. oh, Peyton bought the drinks, man. I'm just here. I'm just well. I'm just you, here. you actually were a good. Remember that time we were sharing with that that one bartender, and he was which um, one? <laughs> wait, wait. Back which in bartender? My pre, in my pre-nam days, um, we were we were at uh, gosh, we were at uh, Weird Islands. Which and, islands? Uh, there's that guy behind the bar, and he was um, oh, what's his name? Carl Vader's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, son-in-law. son-in-law. And uh, it was good. You know, we start off kind of sharing with them. So. But we also uh, talked to the bartender in uh, Marietta one time. Oh, did we really? We did. We did. <laughs> and we talked to a bartender. You, you had the hotel there. And there was an <laughs> island attached. And you're like, you're like I got to go up and get the film equipment. I'm like, cool. I'll come with you. You're like, no. No, that was you. Because I was like. I have the camera over my shoulder with the tripod, the backpack with all the cords in it. And you're like, I'm not going up to your room with you with a camera or going to a hotel room. This just looks funny. <laughs> I'll just wait down here in the lobby. Yeah, that was one of the uh, – when I got in, because we went out to the, the bar, when I got back in, it was so late. I get in my room. I crawl in the bed, and it is just like stained and, and I'm dirty, and I'm like, oh, I am so grossed out right now. If I had seen this earlier tonight, I would not be staying in this room. It was it dude. Was not good. I, I saw that on uh, on on Facebook. Oh, I think yeah, I wrote that, you some advice. No, that was that was yeah, that was worse. Because oh, I that walked, was another trip. Yeah, no, I'm talking about when we were in Marietta. Oh, I got back from that. Okay. I was like, dude, this bed is. I mean, it was supposedly clean, but it was just like they didn't take care of their sheets or dude. whatever. You need to replace. You got me watching time. Hotel Impossible, man. That's changed everything. <laughs> it does doesn't it? Mm. That's why from now on, I actually almost always I'm staying at a Marriott. <laughs> I'm not yeah. staying at almost anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know the uh, the the bottom line though is that um, really to be surrounded by uh, non believers is a good thing. It's it's biblical. I mean, it's 
you know, some people get scared, like, oh, we need uh, we need a bunch of Christians with us. We got to have you. You really don't. Um, if if you just start discipling people, you know, almost from the beginning. I mean, it, it's great because as soon as people get saved, they want to go on mission. I just wrote a blog this week about how, um, you know, it's it's a sign of life. It's proof of life that if you're saved, you want to tell people, you want to be a part. You may be like Pete, you may be sitting at a bar going, I don't really want to enter a conversation, but there will be some way, shape or form that Pete engages in gospel work. It's just part of what you do when you're saved. And it doesn't have to look the same as everybody else. But I notice that when non-believers come to faith, they uh, they just they want to get on mission. That's that's like a big deal. It, it's just Christ in them, compelling them. It it's it's as it's as radical as when they don't believe in Jesus at all on day one and day two they get saved. Well, it's that big of a switch in them where they're like, "Hey, screw people! I hate you all." To suddenly, I love you, hmm. you know, but it's Christ's love coming through them. It's the love of Christ that compels us, Paul says. So so to start a church, it, it's really interesting because I was talking with a guy yesterday named Jim Britz. He's a really cool church planner in San Diego County, getting ready to move to Las Vegas where he's going to work at Hope Chapel with uh, 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 Vance Pittman. And he's going to train church planning uh, church planners and hopefully church planning trainers. So I kind of tagged him cause I, I train trainers in the Western U S and I'd kind of, uh, really seen potential in him as an outstanding trainer and, uh, took him through the training this year and then trained him as a trainer and, uh, met with him yesterday and we were just chatting. I've got a new, um, uh, role, which is to not a new role, but a new new project. I'm always working on projects. So uh, my new project is to take the internship program for the Southern Baptists and for church planning. So they'll they'll have guys that maybe are in seminary or guys that are in college or students or whatever, and they want to give them a taste of church planning. And so one of my passions is always to make it practical, hands on. So not more classroom stuff. So Jim and I were kind of brainstorming yesterday and we, there's a book called Kingdom Matrix, which is, has been written by Jeff Christofferson and Mac Lake, the guy I work with. And in this book, he talks about how up in Canada, um, Jeff Christofferson had some guys up there who, um, they basically, there was like four of them. They moved into, I can't remember if it was Calgary or what, what city it was, but they move into this city in, in, in Canada. Now, you know, Canada is a bit like Europe. They don't have uh, tons of people going to church. It's not quite as bad as Europe. It's kind of in between America and Europe. And so they go there and they, they just said, for the first year, we're not going to um, make any friends. You know, I mean, sorry. What's wrong with me? That, that would have been me. I'd be, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> That's a mission I can do. I'm a church planner. I don't make any friends. We 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 need we need Nacho Libre right now on our sound. We need Dan Sam's goes, going. I used to have a lot more friends before I got into church planning. <laughs> I got kitchen duty. I got dead guy duty. I'm thinking I need a new duty. <laughs> so you know the better duty here was they went in for a year and they made a bunch of friends. 
And they just said, let's just build relationships for a year. And then what they did is they, they got, you know, let's say each one of them got like 15 friends. That's four, four couples. And they just invited these people about a year later. They say, Hey, we're going to, we've got a special favor. We need, we're going to invite you to something, dinner and uh, feed you. We just need you to answer one simple question. And that simple question, they, they get there, they dine them, they wine them. And then they, they get together. Uh, someone goes up front, you know, and they, they say, look, you know, we, we've been in this neighborhood for a year and uh, we wanted to ask you um, just one question tonight. You can help us out. Um, if you were to belong to some sort of spiritual community, um, what would what would it look like? You know, what what would you want it to be like? And so in Kingdom Matrix, Jeff Anderstel. Uh, not Jeff. Did I say Jeff? Jeff Christopherson points out the fact that all these people, you know, they started saying things like, oh, I'd want it where like it wasn't just Sundays. You know, I'd want it where it was um, this, this, you know, where you, you, you know each other's problems and your things and you're interacting. And they just described missional community. And so the guys get up there and they go, hey, well, you know what? Here's the deal. You know, and he said at first it was kind of awkward and then it got, you know, a little bit more comfortable and people started getting really into it. And so at the end, the guys go up there and they go, look, that's exactly what we're going to be doing. We're going to start a spiritual community just like that. And we want to invite you to it. And, uh, you know, boom, boom, boom. So within the first month, um, there were 60 people that night. Within the first month, 56 of those people got saved. Wow. And that was their church plan. And, and so for this program, Jim and I were brainstorming. I was like, look, for this uh, L3 category, you know, which is level three interns, you know, we were just saying it would be cool to make that, you know, like get them doing that, right? See if they can do that, you know, with a team of other, other interns. Maybe they, they, they recruit a little team and you get them from day one learning how to do frontline infiltration for the gospel. Now, this is my passion because in places like Europe, we didn't have a choice. I mean, Refuge Long Beach was really, it was different because I inherited a core team. It wasn't really, they had tried to launch, but it didn't really go anywhere. And uh, so I was like, look, guys, you you launched as kind of like an extension campus, but we really need to launch as a church plant. So I'm going to give three more months I'm going to train you. We're going to go out. But really still, I found it more difficult because I had more Christians on my hands. And guys, I'll be honest with you. When you watch the Jump School DVD series, the bonus episode is called Rally Points. And what that whole episode is about is how difficult it can be to lead a group of Christians on mission. That's why I'm into, you know, when you're trying to go into mission, the bigger the group of Christians you have with you, the harder it is, right? It's not easier. So we always think of things like the big launch, right? Like take 100 people, 150 people. You've just stripped the risk out of it. You've just stripped all of the the, the difficulty. You've stripped the, the ability to infiltrate on the same degree. Now, Jim Britz is a guy who managed to do both, but it is extremely difficult, right? And so here's the deal is, you know, when, when you're talking about like small teams, um, that's what Paul did. And I think Paul did it because he didn't want to outnumber 
the non-believers. He didn't want to stack the deck. He didn't want the ratio to be wrong. Because once people, like at that, at that coffee house, when you mm-hmm. said the yes and them question, Pete, it was kind of like this. The yes and them question? What do you mean? Well, you know, when you asked, you know, is it kind of like the us and them thing? Oh, when us you're versus in, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah. Long Beach. Yeah. So, so it, to a certain degree, yes. Because what I noticed was um, the dynamic was once people started kind of realizing there's a bunch of Christians in this audience, it it started to change the degree of openness. People didn't feel mm. as safe, right, to share. So remember, we're in a gay coffee house. We're in an extremely liberal part of town. We're in, uh, you know, L.A. Didn't uh, help that you guys were wearing your uh – Trump shirts. <laughs> this is a number of years ago. And uh you were still and, voting and, for Trump even then. Come on. <laughs> You're so funny, dude. And and so here's here's the deal is, you know, you uh you, you really don't want people to be outnumbered. I remember sitting in a in a group of of all in in my home because what would happen is when we would do uh, home studies, uh, mission communities, we called them COGS, Communities of Grace. And uh, as as the, we would do that, um, I would keep moving my groups on. I'd keep giving them to other people, and I would take all the new people in the church. So all the people that needed discipleship, I would enter and I would take them in our home. So we keep rotating COGS. Now, people didn't like that because about six months in, they were so tight with their COGS um, or their small groups, but we felt, you know what, now you get to lead one or now you get to mix with other people. So we'd break them up, mix them around and we might keep a couple people with us, but because so many people were getting saved at pillar, it was kind of like every time we started a new one, there would be all non-believers in the group. And I'll never forget this one night we're sitting there and there were so many non-believers in the group. There's probably about 12 people in the room and about four of us were saved. And the other, you know, there might've been a couple unsaved, but, but there's close to the other eight being saved. And three of the people that went around a circle were just say, what's going on? You know, we, we usually would eat and we'd talk and they, they were like, you know, um, one, one person started just talking about how awesome Jesus was and, cussing left and right, you know, and Lord Jesus is effing awesome and um, boom, boom, boom. And then, then we, we, we come to this one guy and he starts talking about this girl at work and how God gave him victory. She's just a total boop. And, uh, you know, and he's like, and then I called her, Hey, look, you effing boop, you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, praise God, man, God, I'd never stood up to her before. And <laughs> he just totally cusses her out. And he used this C word oh, no. in the middle of the Bible study. And one of the girls goes, oh. <laughs> you know, one of the moms in the group. And uh, he goes, oh, he looks around. And he goes, I'm sorry. He goes, uh, I probably shouldn't say that word, huh? I mean, that's a word I use, but I'm probably not supposed to say that now. And I'm, I'm following Jesus, right? And what was so cool is that, you know, I just cracked this big grin. And I said, man, let me tell you something. So many of you guys have been dropping F-bombs and all this stuff in here. And I go, but I got to say, you're so raw and you're so fresh. You don't, it, it, This is just beautiful because it's just coming out of your heart. 
And, you know, everything you're saying about Jesus is absolutely beautiful. And, and I said, you know, just like you're just talking about one aspect of your life that's turning inside out. And you know what? He's going to change the way you talk. He's going to change all that. But that's not my job. You know, it's just, but it was cool because he all of a sudden, like, and he, he wondered out loud, like, you know, what, what, I bet there's some other things I'm probably not to say. And he, he, he just, he got, you know, and, and, and for me, that's my element, man, because it's so Jesus and Jesus is right there. If I took a bunch of Christians into the room um, with me, like particularly right now, let's say it took, you know, 20 Orange County Christians with me into Long Beach and we went on mission. All that would, you know, you know, for a fact, you know, a good chunk of them are going to be in arguments about, you know, Republicanism versus Democrats at some point on that mission, right? If you, if you just took them as they are and didn't train them or, uh, they would start lecturing to them how they should live their life differently. That that's what Christians are really, really good at. And, um, you know, there would be this, you know, love this, love the sinner, hate the sin or um, one of the ones I saw on Facebook this week was love the sinner by hating the sin, you know. And uh, when I look at Jesus, man, he's just surrounded. He goes to parties where he's just surrounded by non-believers. He's totally out of his element. And he's just ministering to people. And beautiful things are happening. Holy things are happening. It's not that the whole party suddenly put away uh, all immorality, you know, but, but people are interacting with him and he's meeting them where they're at. People are repenting. It's just, it's just beautiful stuff. Hmm. So, yeah. Any, any questions come to, come to mind, Pete, about, um, you know, some of the pitfalls you might fall into or. I I don't know, but I think it's going to be really hard for the average church planner to wrap their head around that like someone who's listening to this podcast, because if you grew up in the church or spent any <coughs> amount of time in the church, and now you're about ready to go out and start church planning, I mean, what you just said is so foreign to what they will have experienced in most likelihood, right? Yeah. Because, uh, you know, people... <laughs> people you know, dropping the F-bomb while talking about Jesus is going to be highly offensive to the average Christian. And I get what you're saying. What you're saying is these guys are so raw. They're brand new Christians. They don't even realize what weighs up yet, really. And they're they're just expressing what's in their heart. Yeah. And I think it's going to be hard for a lot of Christians to get their head around because that's just not what they've experienced. That's, That's not the American church. Yeah, they're they're expecting the world to clean up before they take a bath. So, or you just took a bath, you need to be clean now, going yeah, forward. Yeah, and and so what what happens is, for example, like um, at Refuge Long Beach, because I was dealing with you know maybe about twenty Christians or so in the room, and I'm thinking, well, this is this is the maximum I like a core team, but these aren't guys I've spent. I haven't recruited them. I've inherited them, and you know. Uh, and I, I made the prediction that most of you probably won't be here in a year or two. Like you just won't because it's not, you know, you've come here probably with something in mind. And I remember we actually had more people because it swelled up and grew kind of big in the very beginning when I got there. Um, I remember one night we were close to like 
we were close to 100 people. I mean, we were like 70, 80 people. And I remember just, you know, saying things to get rid of as many as possible. And um, the, the, the funny thing is, is that um, I, I would say things like, look, you know, um, if we do what God has called us to do and we're on task and the spirit is here and we're, we're infiltrating the community, then lesbians will come here holding hands. They will have their arm around each other during the service. People will come in drunk. Uh, heroin addicts will come and pass out. And sure enough, I remember one of our Facebook uh, pictures up on uh, Facebook and some of our, our sending church people are like, ah, ha, ha, is that the way you do it at Refuge Long Beach? You know, you, you sleep in church, you know, um, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, yeah, no, that's a heroin addict going through withdrawals. You know, if <laughs> the, these are, the, we're not, we're not in your mama's church anymore. You know, this is, this is a real deal. But I remember telling them, you can have addicts thrown up in the middle of the service because, you know, they're going through withdrawals and they're here trying to cling to Jesus to get through it. And, you know, if you're not ready for that, um, you know, then, then you probably aren't ready to go on mission with us in, in the inner city. It's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be different, you know, and you're going to have to really trust the power of God. And that's what I think it comes down to, Pete, is we don't do a lot in the average church that really requires the power of God, right? If we do big launches, we've kind of made it safe. We've taken all the risk out. We, we, you know, we've outnumbered them. It's what's called a show of force where there's more of us than there is of them. We set the tone. We make sure the, the, the message is all the same. And the danger is when you're outnumbered by nonbelievers, um, you, you, it can get away from you. I remember doing a, a, a meeting in, in a home in Wales where we took all the atheists and all the, all the skeptics that we knew some of them were coming to pillar and they hadn't gotten saved yet. And we did this, this night about the, uh, the inspiration of scripture. We're like, can the Bible be trusted? They all came and we had hardcore atheists there that were arguing. And me and the guy who planted the church, a guy named Yan, he ended up, uh, it was so funny, man. Um, he ends up looking at us like, uh, you know, we, we were looking at each other because they were like, oh, the Bible is just full of crap, you know. And yeah, man, you know, I was I was reading it with my old man. And I was like, love, what does this mean? He's like, I don't know. And she's like, he's a professor at the university. He's like, if I can't understand it, babe, I don't expect you to. And and the the whole meeting, <laughs> my buddy are looking at each other like, whoa, we're not in Kansas anymore, man. Like we're being drowned out. They're all saying it's a bunch of nonsense. We better get this meeting back, you know. And at the end, man, what, what was beautiful is I can tell you, with the exception of one person, every single one of those people came to faith. Hmm. And, and it's like, that's just, that's just the power of God, man. Like you can't panic when stuff doesn't seem to be going right. And they all had their own stories. They all came at it differently. Um, one of the people in the room who was actually saying that they thought the Bible is a bunch of nonsense was saved. <laughs> she was newly saved. You know, she was a universalist for a number of months. And we'd be in the home study and she keeps saying, well, I think all religions uh, lead to God. And at some point, God spoke to her heart, you know, because we'd say, well, you know, we can see how you think that. But 
you know, I mean, Jesus did, you know, and we, we wouldn't smack her down. That that's one of the keys. You can't smack people down. You got to let them explore, but man, you really have to have faith in the power of God. And she eventually, I'll never forget the night we were sitting in home study and somebody said something and she turns at him and she goes, you know, I used to think just like you. She's like, well, you know what? And she tells her story, how God changed her mind. She's like, I was reading. It wasn't even the Bible. It was some book she was reading. And she goes, and it was like, like I heard the voice of God just convincing me. Boom, 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 boom. And uh, you know what it was? It was it was a book called uh, Dinner with a, a Complete Stranger, where this guy gets invited to, it's a fiction book, but it's, it's a theoretical, a guy gets an invitation to dinner and it's signed Jesus. And he goes thinking it's a practical joke. And we gave that out to people in the church. And it was that. And she really felt God um, speaking to her heart through that. So guys, starting with non-believers, it, like Pete said, uh, maybe on your first rodeo, it might be uh, a hairy deal. But guys, I would say, and I would issue this challenge, even if you don't plant your church that way, maybe go the L3 route, that level three internship. Why not just, because what, <laughs> what the point was there is if they're interning and they want a church plant, why, why bump them to the next level if they can't do what Paul did? And I would just say to you in your church plant, um, start praying, God, how do you just surround me with non-believers? Um, like Baker Company, hey, we got the enemy of the left and the, and, the, and, the, and the right, the south and the east. We're not going to let them get away from us this time. I would love to see you guys, um, you know, really step out in, in faith in the power of God and see what they saw in Acts because that's the same God. Of the Bible. I mean, we saw miracles. We saw that. The more frontline you go, this is kind of the the theme of my next book. A lot of what I'm talking about uh, on this podcast is actually in my next book, which is called "Reaching the Unreached: Becoming a Raider of a Lost Art." And that's actually on Amazon. You can pre-order that right now, Pete. Run over there right now, Pete. Get yourself a copy. Cha-ching! I I actually cha-ching. I actually put to Pete, my best friend. I love you. You did not. I know you didn't. There's no way you would put that. Wouldn't that be great? No. I haven't dedicated to anyone yet. I that, that I'll just I'll just give that a thought. And to the love of my life, PM. May you always be true. <laughs> Remember, you've got the power. <laughs> Dude, I would love it if you did that. That'd be awesome. Well, I dig it, man. I dig it. I think uh, I think that was a good little episode there because I think you hit on, I think you hit on what church planners need to to know, to feel, to realize. You know what? It's funny because something that you said the other day was uh, we were talking. We're like, man, we've done two hundred episodes, and not and a one of them good. We, it's been horrible. <laughs> well, well, the further out we get from the beginning, the more I'm like, man, we covered this and that, but. The to me it was kind of like let's rock it old school let's go back to our roots man and let's get back on some of the stuff that we used to really tell guys because this is the heart of church planning and uh, if you guys haven't gone back through and listened to the beginning the back backlogs of our podcast this is more like what we did in the beginning as we as we started getting thinner on topics you know I was like huh what can we hit on but there's always stuff to talk about but something Pete said not long ago 
probably about two episodes ago is, man, no one even remembers what we talked about then. So we're going to keep kicking it old school. For those of you that are new listeners that are coming in, we might just cover some of the same topics just because we've lived a little since then. We started the uh, the podcast, what, three years ago? Had to have been, right? If we're on episode yeah. 200, yeah, two and a half, I think. No, this is uh, 203, I think. Yeah. So it's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while. 52 episodes a year. So, yeah, three years. Yeah. Yeah. Because we did the one month where we did one every day. So, yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's true. It's our third anniversary. I love it. I got the power. <laughs> All hey, right. Well, look, hey, Pete, look. you know what? Uh, Doing all that math just then made my brain tired because I'm not exactly what you'd call a math pastor. You're not? No way, man. That's adding up that when you started saying 203 episodes, that was like magic to me. How does he figure out the years from that? That sounds like magic. Mm. Yeah, I can feel you on that one. I can feel you on that one. So uh, let me tell you about a little solution I've found. When you're not really feeling the mathness, and you don't want to go to jail or screw up things with the IRS, there's a great way that you can handle all the accounting and all those needs at your church. My friend, it's called SimplifiedChurch.com. That sounds amazingly simple, Pete. They are uh, simplifying church. SimplifiedChurch.com. <laughs> all over the place. They take care of making your life fun and easy again, so you don't have to do any of that math stuff. So why don't you head on over to SimplifyChurch.com and tell them Pete and Peyton sent you. And, and that kind of sounds like we just got a memo, hey, you're supposed to advertise Simplify Church, and we didn't really know what they do. So we're like, yeah, they'll simplify your church. Like, totally, man. Like, if your church is difficult, they'll totally simplify it, man. Simplify Church. But really, guys, what they'll do is your bookkeeping. They'll do your uh, into your tax receipts. And uh, they'll keep you compliant with the IRS. And uh, they'll do a lot of stuff for you like that. Workman's comp, payroll, you name it. Mm, yes. So, guys, head on over there. Check them out. Simplify Church. They're getting ready to get a printer that will actually print out, um, you know, non-believers for you. If you're short on people. I like uh, it. Forget all that evangelism. They'll, they will literally clone non-believers and print them off on a high-tech scientific printer and those clones will come to your church. Why don't you go ahead and close this out? Because I can tell that you have got to pee so bad. You can, oh, dude. I'm doing the I'm doing the potty dance. You right are, now. and it's like driving me crazy because I'm like, <laughs> dude, I'm afraid he's gonna explode right there. Are you, are you feeling my pain right now? I'm uncomfortable like, watching like you do the potty dance. You're like totally watching the movie right now. I'm I'm, I'm just. All I do is, so the potty dance on the Don't, podcast. Don't, just, just close this out and go. I just spin in my chair. That's what Pete's seeing. I spin back and forth. <laughs> and I know what it means. <laughs> Peyton got to pee. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, uh, you know, like Forrest Gump said, I have to go pee. So I'm going to sign us out. Thanks for joining us on the Church Planner Podcast. This has been Pete Mitchell. And Peyton Jones reminding you, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's going do doing. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. 
If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Thank you.